Hey, uh, Messer, before y'all go real quick, can I ask y'all to do one? This, this is kind of a random thing, but can y'all sing that one part of um, the King of Kings where it says, uh, and the church was born? Can y'all just sing that real quick? Hopefully I don't throw y'all off too bad. I got faith in you. Y'all are good. I want y'all to listen to these words. Yeah, that's good. I like um, My name's Jeremy, for those of y'all that don't know me. Um, I'm the Pentecostal one in the group. Um, get a little, little spirit filled. Um, oh, man. It's been so long since I've been here with you guys. I was just realizing that this morning that it's, it was Christmas, like before Christmas, the last time that I was here because we... We'd, we'd do the annual Sabbath Sunday, and then we were going to Colorado, and then I worked for two weeks. So it's been like five, six weeks. And I just want you guys to know that, that it thrills my heart to be here with you guys. Like, it's a joy. It's a joy for me to be in this place and just to, to, to hear your voices singing songs and praises to Christ. Um, and usually when it's this long, it doesn't take me very long to start crying. So... Um, I'm here, and I'm glad to be here, and I just wanted you guys to know that uh, the Lord's been doing some, some, um, some stuff in me for the past little while. Um, I've, I've been on this journey as, uh, you know, starting the church, and then the Lord has, has, has uh, grasped, or put people around me, um, gathered people around me with the elders and, and all of you to encourage me and strengthen me along the way, and, and now it's just, it's, it's, it has become... Uh, just more of a joy over the past year and a half to, to do what, what I get to do. And I just, I want you guys to know that, one, because um, it has a lot to do with what I'll be talking about today. Like, there's, there's so much joy that has been found in my life in just journeying along with Christ, not knowing where He would take me, not knowing what He would do, not knowing how He would do it, but just trusting that He would do it, right? And that goes for church, that goes for my family, that goes for the fire department, all things, Right? All things uh, have pointed me to the cross over and over again. And um, kind of I stand before you today just uh, really on the backside of, of a journey where I, I've, I've struggled a lot over the past little while just trying to figure out what is it, God, that you want and how do I do it? Like I, I just don't understand and I don't get it. And he has um, over the past, I would say, nine to ten weeks has just been really giving me a lot of clarity into what what life looks like and, and the, the hope that he has for for this place that we call heritage fellowship right um and let me remind you as i say that the heritage fellowship is not this building that we gather in heritage fellowship is the people that gather here right we are heritage fellowship we are people that go into the world and we take the gospel with us wherever we go wherever we live wherever we work and wherever we play and that is the, the glory of the song, right, that we just sang, that he lit a flame, right, by his Holy Spirit in the church. The church was born, and he lit this flame by the power of the Holy Spirit, and it is yours and my job to carry that with us wherever we go as followers of Christ. That has been the vision of heritage all along. It's been one of these roads where it's like, man, it's hard to get get uh feels like it's hard to get people to, to truly understand that because it's difficult right it feels like man if i can just get this in front of them then, then people will bite it 
and it'll just, it'll just go. But then you realize that it's difficult, right? that the journey is hard, that it's not always easy. And sometimes because of that and because of our fear and because of those struggles, we begin to just pull back into complacency mode and say, yeah, God, I'm doing, I'm doing what I can do. I'm attending church, I'm, I'm involved in a small group, I'm doing this, I'm doing that, I'm serving, I'm, I'm giving, I'm, I'm, I'm doing all these things, and that's, that's probably good, right? Because that, that is the heartbeat sometimes that we fall into, all of us. I'm not excluded in that. But the series that we're about to jump into is, is, is going to try to help us understand that God wants so much more than that for your life. He wants so much more than that for our life, right? We have, um, we have some resources that I, that I found as I was, I actually wrote a sermon series, um, and then a lot of the stuff that I was, uh, was writing, I found uh, a resource uh, that brought some clarity to the things that God was doing in my life, so I'm, I'm, I'm using that resource to try to help us understand what that is, but it's, it's, um, it's, we're going to go on a journey trying to, trying to gain clarity for our life. And when I say our life, there's a vision that Heritage has, and that has to release every individual into their God-given calling, right? That God designed you, me, and everybody in this room in a very unique way. And he's placed us where we are for a specific purpose. And that specific purpose has everything, we, everything to do with our joy, our fulfillment, our purpose, our design, the things that, that he created us to do that nobody else, he's not asked anybody else to do some things that only you are able to do. And that is our desire at Heritage Fellowship is not to just be a place where a lot of people gather in. A lot of people come in and we flood the doors, we have a good worship experience and we go out, right? That is part of it, right? But as we understand this as the basis that you, me, every person sitting in a chair this morning in the kids' room and the, those that aren't here this morning has a God-given design purpose on their life right when that purpose begins to be fulfilled then Sunday mornings will I promise you look a lot different because you're going to come in here ready to get down with your brothers and sisters for Christ and worship and praise and fall on your face and glorify the king of kings the lord of lords that is the hope that we have here right so we're going to go on a journey over the next six weeks. We're going to talk about things like um, today we'll be uh, discovering uh, this idea of a divine design, right? That, that we, were de- we, were, we were designed by a divine being, and that person is Yahweh, right? We were designed for his purposes. We'll talk about how to uncover this, this truth that's, that's inside of each one of us. We'll talk about understanding what that means for our kingdom calling. We'll talk about what it means to, to dream to live if we truly want to live. Right? That we have, to, we have to dream of the life that God has chosen for us, even when we can't see it, in order to live the life that God has chosen for us. It's got to be out in front of us. It, it, it's not just something that you stumble upon most times. You're seeking it. You're going after it. You're, you're doing everything you can to find it. And the scripture says, as you seek, what? You will find. If you seek me with what? All of your heart. All of your heart. We'll talk about investing in God's best 
It's not just doing a lot of good things, but doing the things that are best for you, the way that you were designed, for your purpose on this earth. And we'll talk about how that all leads to leaving a lasting legacy, that the legacy that we leave is truly not about us, right? It's about the King of kings, the Lord of lords who has created us. And as our lives are lived out for Him and for His sake and for His glory, then the legacy will, that we leave behind will exalt Him forever and ever and ever. And you can read about the heroes of faith in Scripture, right? Go to Hebrews 11, read those people. Those people had one thing in common. They sought after God with all of their heart. They made mistakes. They were broken, messed up, sinful people just like you and I. They made mistakes. God redeemed them. God set them on a path and they began to live in their purpose. And that is our heart and desire for you. All right? There's one thing um, that is just awful about this life that we, we get to, to live in this journey, in this adventure. And that one thing that is awful about it is that if we're not careful, we'll live our whole life and not know why. We can live our entire life and not know why. And that is sad and scary and not of the kingdom. Right? But all around us, and, I'm, and I'll put myself in this boat as well, all around us there are people doing that every day, just getting through the daily grind, just getting through the daily struggle of today. And there are times in following Jesus that that will be the case. Don't hear me not saying something that I'm not saying, okay? Like, sometimes it's a grind. Sometimes you command yourself to worship. Sometimes you, you fall on your face before the King of Kings because you know who He is, not because you feel like He is who He is, right? There are those times in your life. I've experienced them. But, it's not for us to live in long term, Right? That is not the place that we're supposed to spend 60, 70, 80, 90 years, if we're lucky, living our life. There's a purpose. We have a design. We'll be in Jeremiah chapter 1. As we <clears throat> unpack this scripture, um, I'll share a, a few different points with you. But here we are. Helen Keller, uh, a great woman of faith who though both blind and deaf, deaf left a lasting legacy on our world. And she was asked one time, what's worse than being blind? And her response was, uh, being able to see but not having any vision. Being able to see but not having any vision. And that's huge, right? It goes right into what I said earlier, is living without, not, without knowing why. She's a woman that couldn't see, but she had so much vision for her life. The statement pierces through the ability that so many of us often take for granted every day, and it points us to a greater reality that too few of us ever really take hold of. We, we teach ourselves how to see, but we lack vision on where we're going and how we're going to get there. I'll give you a little, a little um, um, What's the, what's the word whenever you give the punchline before you should give the punchline? Whenever you, whenever you take a hook. No, that's not it. That was good, though. It was a good try. 
Spoiler alert. Yeah, there we go. Thanks, Becky. I'm glad you were here this morning. Spoiler alert, right? The how, the how is focused in the person and work of Jesus Christ. So as we march through this, hear that over and over again. Keep that in the back of your mind, right? When it comes to, to, to seeing and vision, clarity is essential in what we do, right? Uh, some of you have to wear these glasses because you have, whoa, I bought these at Dollar General this morning. I really didn't know what I was looking at. 1.25, for those of you that wear glasses, is that like crazy or? It's not, that's weak. That's weak, so. So I have good vision. I've got 20-20. So some of us have to wear glasses to be able to see. It, it combats things like, whew, I can't see y'all, nearsightedness and farsightedness, right? Sometimes we, we can see things that are really close, but we can't see far off. Sometimes we can see things far away, like my dad. He's kind of old. Um, so he has to hold things way out here, and sometimes I'll have to grab a book or something and hold it out here for him so he can read it, right? Um, sometimes, sorry, if, if, any, if, if that's any of y'all, I'm not, I, was, I, I threw the punchline at my dad, not anybody. Um, but sometimes we can see really close, sometimes we can see very far, but clarity is essential, right? That's why they make glasses, to help us combat that, right? There's also these fancy shades of my wife's. Oh, these are Lizzie's. Sun is bright, right? Sun catches us off guard, and if we don't have, these look good on me, correct? Everybody say amen. Amen. All right. Sometimes the sun is too bright for us to see, and we need sunglasses to help us see more clearly. I know for me, <clears throat> it's very tough to not have my sunglasses. My wife can vouch for that. She can like... I'll put my sunglasses on going down the road, and she'll say, Jeremy, it's, the clouds are out. I'm like, but it's bright. It's not bright to you? No, not at all. Well, it is to me. But I have to have my sunglasses to be able to do that. These are my sunglasses, <clears throat> but they're also safety glasses for work. They're like safety and uh, sunglasses built in one. And I brought these for one more purpose, because safety glasses, we need those to protect our vision sometimes, right? We need those to, to, to keep things out of our vision. And I'm afraid, as followers of Christ, we put our safety glasses on a little too much. We depend on our safety glasses a little too much. Right? These look better? Thanks, Dave. Safety is a concern, and we have to be diligent in seeking after the, the, the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. And we have to be, be, we have to, to, to be uh, completely planted and, and rooted in the fact that the absolute truth in Jesus Christ is our safety, right? But we also have to be very careful that we don't put our safety glasses on the vision that God's given us for our life day in and day out, and we're never willing to take the chances that He puts in front of us day in and day out. All of these things speak to the reality of vision. If you're in a, uh, if you ever, anybody in here ever been to a 3D, a movie where you got to wear 3D glasses or read a 3D book, you know, you got to put the glasses on. What happens if you don't have the 3D glasses on when you're in that? What's it look like? Like this, right? What I'm seeing, probably, because I don't need these. You can't see it, right? 
But when you put those 3D glasses on, what happens? It begins to, to move, right? You begin to interact with the movie. The, the things start jumping off the screen at you. Things become real life. Right? Again, my concern is, is when we wear those safety glasses for too long and we're not willing to jump out of the boat that Jesus calls us to jump out of, we're not willing to, to, to take on this, this journey that He's called us to, it's like we're sitting in a 3D movie with no 3D glasses on. Everything becomes just, yeah, yeah, just getting through the day, right? Life is not alive. You're not truly living because you can't see the things that are going on around you through the lens of the kingdom of God that is working inside of you through the person and work of Jesus Christ. My hope is that you begin to uncover the reality of this in your life as we march through this series For some of us in this room today, all we can see are the obstacles, challenges, and opportunities that are standing right in front of us. We're living in kind of that nearsighted place, right? We're able to see clearly what we're facing right now, but incapable of seeing beyond it. For others, we live kind of farsighted. We have a, a vision for the future of where we want to go, but the obstacles that we face in the day in and the day out get in the way of us arriving at this place that we see ourselves going. But if we could all live with a vision for tomorrow that, that inspires us and a future that helps us, why don't we jump into it right now? Why don't we do that today? Why don't we begin the journey to get today as a body of Christ, right? After the purpose that God has set before us, each individually. And I think what you'll see, you know, it, it, it gets a little crazy whenever you begin to try to unpack this stuff. It gets a little crazy to try to, because to, let me just say it this way. What usually happens is you, is you get up here and you want me to stand up here and tell you what to do with your life. If you just do this, this, and this, if, uh, and this, and this, then, then things will go better for you. Right? Why don't you come and get involved with this thing that I have going on here uh, on, on Tuesday nights, on Wednesday nights. On, on Thursday nights, whatever it is, right? Sometimes that is the, 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 the context in which we place our church in in America these days. But I think the Scripture paints a little bit different of a picture whenever I go back and read it, and that's my conviction. <laughs> that's my desire in releasing you into the calling that God has placed on your life is that I think what you'll find as you begin to, to dig into Scripture and follow Him and ask Him to show you what it is that He wants you to do, is that as we gather, right, and as God starts to do something in your life, there's probably other people sitting in this room that have that same desire, right? There's probably other people sitting in this room that will come alongside you. And you may have to come along somebody else, side somebody else with the things that God is calling them to do, right? But that's what the body of Christ does. So it's no longer about us, uh, us standing up here and telling you all the things that we're going to do. It's about us releasing into who you are. Releasing you into who you are. And that's a little bit different of a picture. And it's scary and it's fearful because there can be so many things that start to come in and, and, and cloud things. But you know what? Uh, the book of Ephesians says that the, the, the job of the church is, the job of the elders, to equip the saints to do the work 
of the ministry. <laughs> what is the ministry? The things that he has placed before us to do. The things that he has placed on your heart to do. It is our heart's desire to resource you, help you, and equip you to the best of our ability to do the things that God's calling you to do. Why is that our purpose? Because it's what will make the most lasting impact and the most far-reaching impact. Some of you may not know it right now, but you'll be called out of this country to serve as a missionary, right? If we equip you and resource you and help you get to there, then we're doing our part and our and, and our, um, all of our resources and time and planning and energy are going to impact the world in a far greater way than we can than standing up here on a Sunday morning and telling you all the things that you should do. Right? Are y'all following me? Are y'all, are y'all catching what I'm selling? That is the hope. This is the call of, on your life. It's a call to stop settling for a lesser version of yourself than God had in mind when he crafted you in your mother's womb. It's a call to step into the version of you with the kind of confidence that can not only change you, but the entire world around you. Don't hear me selling you a prosperity gospel this morning because that's not the hope of this, right? It's not ten steps to become a better you. No, it's, it's releasing you into the real you that you may not know is hidden down and, and, and pushed down and suppressed inside of you. Because the, the Scripture is very clear when you become new in Christ, right? Whenever you give yourself over to Christ and, and His work in your life, you become a new creature. What does that mean? It means He's releasing all the things that we've stifled down because of our sin. The perfect union that we were supposed to have in the Garden of Eden is now restored back to you. And it will take you all of your life to unpack all of that. But the time that you say yes to Christ is the time that you start on that journey to uncovering the person that you were created to be. Right? Because we get to put sin to death. We get to stand in victory because of what Christ has done on the cross. We get to stand before Him on a Sunday morning when we're singing songs and say, the same power that lives in Christ now lives in me. And the resurrected King is now resurrecting me. Right? Isn't that the hope of Christ? Isn't that what the Scripture lays out for us? Is that we be resurrected people. That is... My number one desire. Don't settle for anything less. The book of Jeremiah, I'll give you a little bit of context real quick. Jeremiah prophesied uh, right before and during the darkest moment in Israel's history, uh, the exile. A century earlier, the former northern kingdom of Israel had been destroyed and its people scattered among the nations of the Assyrian Empire. Now the southern kingdom, Judah, was heading in a similar judgment. And even though Judah had seen the spiritual decline of the northern kingdom and the destruction of and judgment that was the result, the southern kingdom continued to turn its back on God. Jeremiah's task was to warn the unrepentant people of Judah that the day of reckoning was almost upon them. Jeremiah's uh, prophetic ministry began in the 13th year of Josiah. And Josiah was a great king, 
He led uh, the last real spiritual renewal in Israel's history. And although that Josiah did a lot of good things, his reforms failed to get below the surface and change the hearts of the people. Sounds very familiar. Jeremiah was from a priestly uh, family, but he was called to be a prophet. He prophesied for five decades, from 627 B.C. to 582 B.C. And Jeremiah was known as the weeping prophet. Because although he pleaded with Judah to return to God, the nation never did. And can you imagine years, five decades of pleading with Judah to return to the God who created them, the God who set them in motion, and they never did that. And, and then understand that that is why he was called the weeping prophet, because he weeps constantly. If you just, just read the scriptures, right? He weeps constantly over the nation of Israel and their unrepentant heart. The reason that we chose Jeremiah uh, is because it, it, Jeremiah received a calling in Jeremiah chapter 1. He received a call from, the, from God. And I'm just going to unpack it as we embark on this journey of uncovering this person that is stifled down inside of you and me. The good news for all of us is that, that we're, on, we're not the first people in history to struggle with vision. In fact, if you just read through the Bible... It's story after story after story after story after story of people that struggled with vision, struggled to understand why they were created, struggled to understand the reason that they were living. Moses struggled as a convicted killer on the backside of the desert to see, uh, he, he failed to see what God had made him to be in that moment. Gideon struggled by threshing weed in the wine press. Because he couldn't imagine the mighty man of valor that God created him to be. Samuel, he struggled to perceive that Jesse's oldest son wouldn't be the next king of Israel, but that the youngest shepherd boy, who no one even invited to the anointing, would be the next king. Paul had to be literally knocked to the ground and blinded for a few days before he could start seeing correctly. Right? As we jump into Jeremiah 1, listen for some of those themes that you just heard. For most people in Jeremiah's day, we could say that life was a blur, and that's what he's speaking into. The blurriness of what is going on around them. Their inability to see how God was moving and how God was connecting the story from the past into the present and into the future. They were just going through life, living to satisfy themselves, forsaking the God that created them in His ways, and using everything they had been given by God to serve themselves. And it's right at this point that God calls one man, the man of Jeremiah, to be His mouthpiece to the nation. As God does this, He makes some remarkable statements that we should all take into consideration. Let's read it. Jeremiah chapter 1. The words of Jeremiah, the son of Hilkiah, one of the priests who were in 
that place. I'm, y'all know I'm not good with trying to pronounce those words, so I won't try. In the land of Benjamin, to whom the word of the Lord came in the days of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah, in the thirteenth year of his reign. It came also in the days of jo- Jehoiakim. There we go, I got that one. The son of Josiah, king of Judah, and until the end of the eleventh year of Zedekiah, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, until the captivity of Jerusalem in the fifth month. Verse 4. Any of y'all, like whenever you're reading scripture, this is a side note, trying to get y'all reined back in here. Any of y'all, while you're reading scripture, like, I know that word, but I just, like, my tongue just won't do it. Does anybody else have that problem? Thank you. I appreciate it. Okay. My mouth just won't do it. Now, the word of the Lord came to me saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Then I said, Ah, Lord God, behold, I do not know how to speak, for I am only a youth. But the Lord said to me, Do not say I am only a youth, for to all to whom I send you, you shall go. And whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord put out his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have set you this day over nations and over kingdoms to pluck up and to break down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. Let's pray. Father God, your word uh, was written for us to be able to gain clarity. Your word was written so that you could speak to us uh, throughout all eternity. Father, I pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit that your word would blast off the page at us this morning. I pray that your Holy Spirit would, would move in mighty ways to convict our hearts, to help us understand that we were created with purpose, and to help us uh, begin uh, a journey to understand what that purpose is and how we can, uh, we can best live it out, Lord. May uh, you be lifted up. May you be glorified. May you be honored in all that is said and all that is done. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. We are God's masterpiece created to do good works. This is Ephesians 2.10, by the way. We are God's masterpiece created to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for us to do. The Greek word that translates into masterpiece is poema. It's where we get the English word poem from, right? It's where we get the English word poem from. So you are God's poem created to do good works. What does that have to do with anything? Where does a poem come from? A creator, right? Why do they write poems? In order to convey something, right? So if you are God's workmanship, created to do good works, if you are God's poem, He created you in order to do what? Good works. Why? To display His glory, to get His thoughts, to get His heart, to get His desires into the world that He created. That should stagger us as human beings. We're so much different than the plants and the animals and the trees and the rest of creation. We were created with a mind. We were created with a heart. We were created as a poem. A masterpiece for God's plan 
to bring the kingdom and establish it on the earth. That should throw us for a loop. God has been thinking about your life from the beginning of time, right? The truth is, however, that that all, although these ideas are repeat, repeated over and over in the Bible, most of us have trouble really believing that is true. Most of us struggle with that, right? But um, I, I just want to encourage you today that if you begin to embark on this journey, and that is, that is my number one desire today, is to get you to understand that you were created with this purpose and to help you uncover uh, this desire deep, deep down inside of you to begin walking this path towards what God has created for you, you for right? That if, that if we begin down this journey together as a, a, a body of believers, then you have a lot of people going in the same direction, right? To figure out what that looks like. But if you, if you live your whole life and you don't figure this out, it's like wearing a shirt that's too big for you or a shirt that's too small for you, right? I have this problem with shirts. Like, I'll get a shirt. I can buy a medium in some shirts and I put it on and like two weeks later it's done, can't wear it like it's it's up in my armpits you know and it feels like it's choking me around my neck and then I can buy a large right the next week I can go buy that large and I'm like get home I'm ready to put this shirt on I put that large on and it's huge I'm like all right give it a couple weeks it'll shrink down well the thing never shrinks right so I, I have a very difficult time with shirts trying to figure out man what should I buy here is this one going to shrink because it's made out of the same material as that one, and that one didn't shrink. But this one will end up shrinking, right? But you know when you put on a shirt, like this one just came out of the box. It feels good on me this morning. I hope, I hope I look all right. But you know when you put a shirt on, and it's like, man, it feels good. I feel like, I feel like a new man. Right? Because you're out in front of people and you, you, it's not pulling your armpit hair. I know women, you don't have that problem. Um, but it's not pulling the, the hair under your arms. Right? It's not choking you. Right? It's not like make, making your, your, my belly look bad. But when you got a good shirt on, you just feel like a new person. And I feel like that's what happens when we begin to put these 3D glasses on and begin to understand what God has created us for how he's created us to live. And you're unique. Your unique definition of who you are, right? For a purpose. There's one thing that stinks about this life. I had a mentor tell me this years ago, and I've already said it like three times this morning, but it's living and not knowing why. I cannot imagine going to my grave one day having lived out 40, 50, 60 years of my life and not knowing why. I want to put the shirt on that fits, right? I want to do things that God created me to do and I want to put away things that He didn't create me to do. Right? I want to sit down the things in my life that just busy up my life and cloud up my mind and cloud up my heart from the things that He has called me to do. Because I can only be the best at what he's called me to do whenever I make time for the things that he has called me to do. That's the same for me and you. All of us in this room. Jeremiah says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. 
And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. And then, what does Jeremiah say? Oh, Lord God, behold, I do not know how to speak. For I am only a youth. But the Lord said to me, do not say I am only a youth. For to all to whom I send you, you shall go. And whatever I command you, you shall speak. Jeremiah learned a a valuable lesson in this section of Scripture, I believe. And it's the same lesson that God's trying to teach all of us this morning. You were created for a purpose. You were created uniquely. And you will feel like you can't do it. You will feel like it is impossible for you to do it. And that's exactly where God wants you to be. Can I say that one more time? Because I don't want you to miss that. You were created with purpose. You were created unique, specifically designed, and you're going to feel like you can't do it. And you're going to come up with every excuse under the sun not to be obedient to the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. It's what we do. We're sinful. But what does he say? Do not say, I am only a youth. That's exactly what Jeremiah said, right? Ah, uh, Lord, you don't, you don't understand. You got the wrong guy. You got the wrong one, God. Yeah, Yahweh, I know you created the whole world, but you got the wrong one. I'm trying to tell you, right? I do that constantly in my life. What does he say to him? Do not say, I'm only a youth. For to all to whom what? I send you, you shall go. And whatever what? I command you you shall speak Mm. big time right big time you begin to find your purpose you begin to walk in the shoes that were designed to fit your feet you put on that new shirt that fits you and you begin to uncover that and you begin to walk in new life that's the that is the gospel of jesus christ right It's not for us to do in our own strength. We have to understand that He's formed us. He's placed us, uh, he's placed us in a place where He designed to put us. And He placed it there for His glory. Placed us there for His glory. Right? You are more unique than you think. And as you begin to understand your uniqueness, you begin to understand that you have a destiny. Verses 8 through 10. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord put out his hand. He touched my mouth, and the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have set you this day over nations and over kingdoms to pluck down, to to pluck up, to break down, to destroy, and to overthrow, to build, and to plant. I tell you the biggest thing that I see in this passage. Is that these are the same words that, that echo throughout Scripture, right? These are the words that God gives to, to everyone throughout Scripture that has been designed and given a destiny. I will be with you. Right? I will be with you. Do not fear. Over and over again. Do not fear. I will be with you. 
These are the words that he gave Moses when Moses was called to go to Pharaoh and tell him to let my people go. All right? These are the words that God gave Joshua when Joshua was, was convinced that Moses' shoes were too big for him to feel. Amen. Keep talking. These are the words that God gave Solomon when he was convinced he couldn't live up to David's legacy. And these are the words that Jesus passed on to his disciples. Right? In the Great Commission. What does he say in the Great Commission? Because this is very relevant to us today. We can look back at all the Bible history people and say, yeah, they had a purpose. Yeah, they, had, they did have a purpose. And we can see their purpose lived out. I'm not sure if I live on that same stage, right? I'm not, I, don't, I don't think I should be compared to them. But what does it say in Matthew 28? Somebody talk to me. It's saying, go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And what? Behold, I will be with you. Man. If that doesn't encourage you to understand that your life has purpose, and that on that purpose, you will never be left, you will never be forsaken, right? God is faithful. God cannot fail you. He cannot. That is one thing that God cannot do. It may feel like God has failed you at times because what does it say that Jeremiah has to do there? I've set you this day over the nations and over the kingdoms to pluck up and to break down, right? To destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. In order to build and to plant, sometimes you've got to break down. Sometimes you've got to overthrow. Sometimes you've got to weep a little more and realize that you're broken and you're messed up and you're in need of a Savior. Sometimes it feels like God has forsaken you because the dream that you're chasing is, does not line up with the dream that God has chosen for you. you got to let go of it. you got to submit. you got to surrender. Right? My dream and my hope all of my life, right? not all of my life, but for the past 15 years of my life, was that I would go and I would go into ministry and I would be in full-time vocational ministry. That was, my, that was where my heart was set. That's what God was doing on, in my heart and in my life, I thought, right? Then I get here and I'm like, yep, on this journey, I'll, I'll be there. I'm going to this place. And I'm not, I'm not speaking against it, but I'm telling you how God has changed my trajectory. Why? Because I simply followed Him. I simply trusted Him. That's the only reason. It wasn't anything that I did. It was just obedience, right? I came. I said, yep, I'll go. God, I'll go and I'll plant the church. And one day that'll be my job and that's what I'll do. And I'll be very happy and I'll be good. He said, yeah, on the way there, we're going we're gonna to plant you in this fire department. And that's going to kind of help you make ends meet and, and, and take care of your family and all those things. Guess what? Seven and a half years or seven years later, seven and a half years almost, I'm still in that place, and I don't foresee myself leaving. Why? Because God wants me there, and I know that. I know that. Is it what I wanted? No. But it, but it seems kind of crazy that an 18-year-old uh, boy at the time, myself, I was not a man at 18 years old, I can promise you that. I thought I was. But at 18 years old, or 19, and turned 19, I said, I'm going into the fire service. And I went in, I got my, my stuff, and then I got called out of it. And then I went to Colorado and to North Carolina pursuing ministry degrees and, and all of the things that God led me to. And I know that. Like, it was, none of it was a mistake, right? To come back, fast forward to, to 27 years old, right? 
Eight years ago, and God says, it's time for you to go back into the fire service. Well, God, I thought, I thought you took me from that. I did for a season because I wanted to equip you. I wanted to equip you to do what I'm calling you to do. To now seven years in to this career and not ever seeing myself at this point leaving the job. And I sit back and I scratch my head sometimes. And I wonder why. And I wonder how. And then I read scripture and I realize how. And I realize why. Because the world is in dire need of believers, you and me, Followers of Jesus Christ to live their faith out in a manner that is worthy of the gospel. And I'm not saying I do that all the time at the firehouse. I don't. But I go in every day and I ask Him to do what only He can do in me. Father, whatever you see fit, however you see fit to use me, do that. I tell you that story this morning because I want to encourage you. Right? It's not just for the prophets and the teachers and those that are called into ministry. That's not what a calling is. We all have general callings on our life to go out and share the gospel with people. But we have specific purposes too. And we can see it outlined in Scripture over and over and over again. And I just want to encourage you today to begin to unpack that in your life. Where are you? Why are you there? What is the purpose and the desire of the King in you where you are, where you live, where you work, and where you play. And as you uncover that, you'll begin to find joy that's unspeakable. <laughs> you'll begin to find the ability to praise whenever you, you feel like you don't have anything to praise, but you know that you have a purpose. <laughs> right? At the end of the day, that is what keeps you going. It, it keeps you focused. Whenever you're broken down and you're messed up and you don't know where you're going, it keeps you grounded. Yeah, God, I, I don't know what you're doing right now, and this is difficult, but I am staying on course. I will not sway. I will not change lanes. I want to end with this. It wasn't long ago that we had the... the the solar eclipse, right? And there were people traveling from all over the place to try to get into this realm of totality, right? That's where there would be complete darkness. There wouldn't be any light. Street lights would come on and it would be complete darkness. And there were, there were people going everywhere trying to find that place. And they were telling people where it would be. And there were some places that they said it would be that it ended up not being. And it was just, it was, it was kind of mass chaos, right? But if you've ever seen or been in a, a room with 97% light, or 97% dark versus 100% dark, there's a difference, Right? There's a difference in those things. And some of us can sit here and go, oh, you know, I had, my, I had my glasses on and the street lights came on and it was cool and it was awesome, you know, but I can still see. It wasn't everything that it was hyped up to be. It wasn't everything that it was expected to be. But then those that, that were in totality, where it was complete darkness, 
they sing a different song, right? They sing the song of, man, that was incredible. That was insane. Like it was completely dark. I couldn't see anything. You're like, 97, 100? My point being, you can choose to live in 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, 99 percent of God's design for your life and you can experience some cool things and you can sit on the edge and you can say whoa that was awesome man did you see what God did and you will experience things like that in your life as followers of Christ or you can choose to plant your feet in the place of 100 percent totality where all you can see is what God's doing around you right And whenever you can't see what God's doing around you, you can trust that He is doing what He said He would do all around you, right? When you're not seeing the the, the things change in your life or in the people's lives around you that you've been sent to, you can trust that He's working even when you think He may not be, right? I see it every day. I see it every day of my life. People see you. People notice the way that you live your life. People notice the conversations that you engage in. People notice the conversations that you choose not to engage in. You don't have to fight. You don't have to argue. You don't have to do things that are absurd. But you do have to stand in absolute truth that God is the God of the universe. God is the King of kings. God is the Lord of lords. And He is faithful above all things. 100% totality. That's my encouragement for you today. Let's be those people. Let's walk this thing out the way that we were created to walk it out, right? As we, the band comes up, we're going to take communion today as just a step towards remembering what God created us to be, right? God created us with a purpose. And this, he said, do this in remembrance of me, right? You take my bread and remember the body that was broken for you. You take my wine and you remember the blood that was shed for you. It's just grape juice, don't worry. I know I said one. It's take it in remembrance of who I am. Right? And as we reflect on who he is, I pray that he begins to uncover who you are. And he begins to speak into your life. I'm going to pray. And as the last song's going on, you guys come up and take communion. Band, actually, y'all come, come first if you don't mind. Father, we're so thankful for the life that you've given us. Lord, we're so thankful that we've been invited into something 